Hello, world, and thanks for listening in to Episode 9 of the Everything and Nothing Podcast. Christy Brownlow and my special guest today is part of my inner circle, <laughs> my <laughs> tribe. <laughs> so this should be an interesting chat. <laughs> Chandra, what's up? Hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm so happy that good. you joined me today. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in. Now, you and I met in graduate school. Correct. Correct. And you believe that that was 20 years ago? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. 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 But no, but seriously, it doesn't seem like it was that long. And when people say time flies, it really does fly. I mean, like really, really, like really. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely um, yesterday, does. yesterday I was getting gas and right next to a self storage and the sign on the self storage said, don't grow up. It's a trap. And so I cracked up because I was thinking like, you know what? That's kind of true. Cause yeah, you it know, is a you, trap. you're thinking like it is a trap. <laughs> so yeah, those 25 <laughs> years have gone by fast and we were so young and idealistic at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, and I still am. I, I, I'm still idealistic, but in some sense, yeah, adulting, it's real. It it's is real, real. And it's, yeah. I would say that it's overrated. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Highly overrated at times. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can get lost in the weeds of it, but, uh, but you know, Most it's, definitely. It's, it's a blessing. It is a blessing yeah. and we're here. So we may as well just make the most of it. That's true. That's there true. it is. So we both received our master's degrees in counseling mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. experience there. And we also have a myriad of experiences, educators. <laughs> that's true. That is very, that's right. <laughs> Those counseling skills have come in handy. I'm telling you, every single job <laughs> I've had in life, I'm like, let me pull on that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let me pull on that. Yeah. So. I know from from an educator standpoint, I know I've worked with primary and secondary. You've worked at a university level. So at the end of the day, I feel like we both possess a wealth of knowledge when it comes to helping others aspire and achieve. Sure. Yeah, yeah That I mean, I, I think that's been a, a calling and a foundational principle, just helping others be their best selves or rise, mm-hmm. to, the, rise to the occasion. So mm-hmm. I have, as well as you, I've spent a lifetime doing that in various capacities. And, um, based on feedback, I, I'd like working. to think that it's been, yeah, it's working that it's been beneficial in, in some sense. You don't always reap the benefits at the time, but it does circle back as time goes on. And then people, you know, come back to you and say, you know, thank you. I, mm-hmm. I understand a lot better now. So what mm-hmm. we do is at the time unappreciated, but we know that there's a, a larger picture and that it comes full circle in the end. It does come full circle and it's very rewarding. Like you said, you don't see it while you're in it, Yeah. but eventually it does come back around. So yeah, that's a great yeah. thing. Well, lately I've been thinking a lot about education, especially how the process of educating has changed in this pandemic. Oh yeah. 
So I thought it would be nice to chop it up with like minds on this topic. And, and <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the end result will be inspiring someone to keep pressing on. Yes. So, yeah. So this segment is called Evolve and it's a life coaching segment of everything and nothing. So I have some questions and I figured you and I both could offer some insight. So, okay. Sounds I'm good. just going to ask the first question. So what are your thoughts on distance learning? Ah, <sighs> well, <laughs> not, not, not the deep side. <laughs> it's the deep side. You know, it's, it's interesting because I think it has its place, but I also think face to face has its place as well. What I have found, and I do both, at least prior to the pandemic, I have had online courses and now because of the pandemic, I'm doing strictly online. And what I can see from students is that it, neither one, it depends on the student, whether or not either can be of benefit. I am a proponent of face-to-face -face because on my side of the fence, I can gauge by your, by your verbal mm -hmm. as well as your nonverbal communication, whether or not I need to adjust my teaching so that you have the best opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. At the college level, I am a facilitator. So you have the ability to accept or reject any type of learning because you're an independent learner. Learner Versus, you know, when you are in grade school and I tell you to learn a verb, you, you're, you're kind of forced into it because there are these ramifications. Mm -hmm. So with that said, I am a proponent of a personal touch, which I think is, is easier for me as a professor to get to, get to you when I see you face to face. On the other hand, there are students who are very well, are more self, self actualized than others who can do the distance learning and it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. But what I found during the pandemic was that many students had an incredibly difficult time, even though I'm teaching 18 and up. And some of my students are, you know, just coming out of high school. But then I have students who are in their mid 20s, 30s, 40s and beyond. Okay. So, you know, college is a smorgasbord. But I have found that it has been very difficult for that adjustment to take place because uh, whereas I can facilitate face to face more easily, it is rather difficult to do that with distance learning when you're not prepared for it. I would agree with that. And I would say from my standpoint, I enjoy the personal interaction and the engagement that I yeah. have by being able to see students, being able to, like you said, pick up on their verbals, their nonverbal cues and help them accordingly. And when you can't see them, it's just very difficult to have that level of engagement. Now, what I've noticed, and, and to your point, there are some students who are disciplined. I think discipline is key. And especially when you are in a distance learning environment, when you're at home, when you may have to share your laptop with a sibling, when you may have background noise going on and you're still trying to learn, that discipline is a key element, I think, of learning. And what I have yeah. noticed is that some of the best students ordinarily are struggling, are disillusioned because they too enjoy and thrive off of that personal touch. And to not have it, it's kind of 
it's affecting their spirit. And so that's difficult for me to witness that and not to really be able to do anything about it. Yeah. And what people tend to forget is that, you know, when you are in an environment of learning, you aren't just learning about whatever that that skill set is, whether that's about developing math skills or English or, you know, whatever that may be. There are also the intangibles that you can't see. Mm -hmm. So when you are in that environment, you are learning how to communicate, not just with your teacher or professor, but also your classmates. There's the social component of it that's, that's sorely lacking. And on a broader scale for all of us, like we are all literally working in a silo in our homes and you're missing that social aspect. But especially if you're in a school setting, you need that because it can show up and lack in, in other areas of your life because it wasn't fully developed. So you need to be somewhere where you can have an exchange of ideas and see contrast. If you are just sitting in front of a computer or you see your professor or your teacher just lecturing, yes, you, you have the ability to you know, sit there and listen and you can, and, and like for my students, especially, they can do that on their own time as they choose to. But what if you don't have time management skills in the first place? Right. Like, how are you supposed to self-monitor and self-manage yourself when you don't even know how to do that? Mm-hmm. For students who have to communicate, well, communication is written and then also verbal. But you may understand something, but it gets lost in translation by the time it gets to me. I just started a term with my online students for the university that I teach with. And one of the things that I am trying to get over to them is, listen, your communication skills are written at this point, And that's primary versus it being secondary when you're in a, you know, a, a, a classroom. Mm-hmm. So. If you don't know how to have writing skills that can articulate, you know, critical thinking, then it comes across as you're not mastering whatever that objective is for learning. So you, you kind of need that, but then you also need the, the component of being able to active listen and, you know, that relationship. So I hate that, you know, we have to kind of work in these silos because of the larger issues that it'll, that that society will see in the ramifications to come. But I mean, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so we have to, you know, adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I feel like having those conversations to help students understand that this too shall pass. I know right now it doesn't seem like it. And that we are all going through this. This is an international crisis. Yeah. And that we all adults and young people alike are doing the best we can. So I think with that comes a little element of grace where we all just try to help each other along. Yeah, I think that it's, it's important. The thing about the students that I teach is that they really, really have free will. Mm-hmm. And because I teach a, a course in student success, which is essentially like academic coaching, really, because I teach that, then, you know, you being an independent learner means that there is a line that I can't cross, which means that 
you have you have to really develop what you want out of life. And that means, you know, in this pandemic, if you choose not to log in, you have that right to That's not on do you. it. That's on you. But at the same time, it, you know, I send, you know, emails and text messages to remind students of their goals of what they want to achieve on a, you know, from a broader picture about going, going after your goals. But at the same time, being in a pandemic doesn't allow me to really get into your lane and try to understand where you're coming from and try to release some of those barriers to, you know, your, at least your academic goals. So you're right. We are all trying to do the best we can. And in the middle of a pandemic, how do you navigate success and be successful when the enemy in some sense is unseen? You know, Mm -hmm. you don't really know where that virus is, but it's also a lesson because in life, you know, we were talking about like over the last, you know, how when we met, we were idealistic and, you know, sitting in class and the road is before us and it's unseen. Mm-hmm. And so you can parallel that with today because the road is unseen, but it's also the opportunity for you to rise to the occasion rise to if the you occasion. can. That's it. And so as, as most people are learning that you really do have to adjust. Well, I like to think that we literally are in that situation right now where you learn who you really are mm-hmm. and what you can accomplish and then how you may need to shift and pivot. And, and that's one of the parallels that I usually like to use is, and I'm terrible with basketball, but I do watch it and I watch people pivot. And so they are going in one direction and then the defense is coming and then they have to pivot and do something else. But then there's the objective is still there. Mm-hmm. Well, to get to that, you know, to get to the goal. And it's funny because whenever I'm trying to make this comparison in class, I'll try to I'll first apologize to students because I'll tell them, like, look, I'm terrible at giving an analogy, but sports is great <laughs> and basketball <laughs> is. So just work with me. <laughs> just 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 listen like I'm making just a whole listen. lot of sense. Like I'm making sense and get what I'm trying to say and the idea. Mm-hmm. But a pivot is literally the best analogy that I can use for where we all are today is that you literally have to adjust. You have to do that in some sense and then learn who you are and adjust your technique, adjust your strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the things that I try to teach in my class. And then even with my academic coaching, with my individual students, I try to teach them that literally your locus of control is going to be based off of how well you pivot and how well you adjust. Yeah. And you just learn as you go because we're all yeah. going and we're growing through it. So we just yeah. have to learn on the fly. Yeah. So. What are your immediate thoughts about going to a four-year university right out of high school or two-year? You know, I don't have any strong thoughts about either one. You know, I teach at both. What I will tell you is that regardless, you should go. Mm -hmm. You know, like they both serve the same purpose, and that's to extend learning and to use that as a 
as a springboard to, you know, whatever your, your goals are. Now with a four-year university, obviously, you know, you're in an environment where you can, you know, you're around like-minded students who are going in the same direction. You know, you may not have the same major, but then also I like the idea of you being in this environment where you literally have time to grow up and be aware you it's the it's one of the best times of your of your life i would agree i would agree it's one i of the like best times that of idea. your life yeah I, yeah I think, yeah and what's so crazy to me i don't know if you look back on this time but it was four years for me and it flew by but those four years were the most impressionable years oh yeah i think yeah of my life and yeah i've not had that four-year university experience and to include two-year because mm-hmm. my mother who <laughs> you knew she was like well my money says that you're going to finish in four years so <laughs> that means that you're going to have to go full-time and if you're not really doing so well that means you're going to have to go to summer school as well so I'm <laughs> going full-time four-year university and then in the summertime going to community college and yeah. just incorporated both and it worked out. Thank God it worked out. But yeah. I feel like that time was just so, like I said, it was just an impressionable time in terms of learning who I am, learning what motivates me, what drives me. And yeah, obviously, obviously the friendships. So and you can't get that time back. So I always look you back can't. fondly with yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I I did the same thing. I graduated from high school and then went directly into, the for that summer, a community college and took some of my basic courses prior to going to a four-year university. But what I will say is that if you have the opportunity to go to a four-year university, then that is great. And and the reason, one of the reasons why I say that is not just because of the social impact, but also because you really need that time to become an adult. It is very difficult when you're when students are in the household with their parents to to shift that family dynamic. Mm-hmm. especially if, if parents aren't aware of it. And usually parents, because it is incredibly difficult to be a parent, work, and then, you know, all your responsibilities, if you're not cognizant of, you know, let me let this young adult become an adult, mm-hmm. uh, then it can be difficult. But then at the same time, you're thinking, look, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm paying for everything. I've got to, you know, put a roof over this this child's head, I've got to do all these things. So it can be difficult to do that. But when a student moves to a four-year university, well, now they have to fend for themselves. And that's where true adulthood starts taking place. In contrast, with a community college, the same thing happens on that campus. When students approach me, I am really talking to them as an adult. adult. And that can be very Mm -hmm. confusing for someone who's still in the house where they are, (laughs) where your mom is telling you in one minute to do the dishes. And then I'm telling you when you come into my classroom that you have choice. You can get up and you can leave this room and I won't stop you from doing anything that you want to do. We are both in agreement that you suffer the consequences of whatever choices that you make, good or bad. But 
the onus is on you, whether or not you want to do your homework, whether or not I won't be calling anybody. And, so yeah, when yeah. I'm teaching college freshmen, it can be very difficult for them to make that transition, you know, but at the end of the day, what I am the biggest proponent of is that you, once you leave high school, that you use that as just a springboard for if it's trade school, if it's college, if it's two year, if it's one year, that you continue your education because uh, between, you know, primary school and secondary school, that literally is just foundation. That's it. After that, then you need to sharpen those skills and, and there's more development to be made. And you need a structure that makes you aware mm-hmm. of moving beyond just the foundational principles of education. Well, the one thing you said is dead on. I feel like at home in high school, all the way up to high school, really, and through high school, there's a lot of handholding going on. Yes. There's a lot of handholding going on at home. There's a lot of handholding going on in high school because teachers are still staying after you. You need to turn this in. If they don't turn it in, okay, you can turn it in late. They turn it in late. Okay, I'm still going to try to help you out because I want to see you pass. You know, it's that kind of thing. And when you move on to the next phase and you're in a university setting, there's really none of that. It's like you right. just said, you know what's going to happen if you don't perform at your optimum. So here's the syllabus. Here's what's expected of you. I will be here if you need me. Here's my office hours. Other than that, you're on your own. Go forth and yes. prosper. <laughs> and it's difficult, especially for freshmen. It's kind of traumatic. Like, well, wait a minute. It is. <laughs> wait a it minute. Is. She's not staying on me. She she didn't say anything that I didn't show up to her class. She didn't say anything that I didn't turn that assignment in. Yes. So, yeah, it, it's, it can be quite traumatic, but that's also that formative time where you start to say, okay, again, discipline. Nobody is really looking out for you. Now, maybe your parents are still at home saying, I need to see those grades because I'm paying for this. There might be that Correct. aspect going on, but at, the, <laughs> yes. but at the end of the day, you have all this wiggle room all of a sudden that you didn't have. And so what you do with it can make or break you. Yes. And I think that it's a good idea in it's time because, you know, when you're, when you're at home, there people are pouring into you and telling you who you are. And what you need to do, which which is fair because you need that. Mm-hmm. But by the time you get to 18 or 19, you really do need to start the development out. and figuring it out. And I often tell students who you are at 19 is not who you'll be at 29 or 39 or 49. It. Yep. But what you can do is really start developing those principles, those success principles that will propel you forward so that even when you make mistakes or when you figure it out or have more self-awareness of who you are, then you can move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. But at at some point, the rubber does have to meet the road and you have to say, I've got to find my voice. I've got to figure out who I am. And I may separate from the pack because, you know, especially when you come out of high school and even with college freshmen, especially 
they tend to, you know, out of fear, out of, you know, lack of confidence and a, and a, a, a number of things, you know, they, they still tend to hover around each other and your peers matter more, which right. is fine. But somewhere in there, you've got to see and start developing, well, then who I am and separate yourself from, from other people and then let that real person stand up and start developing into who that is. Because if you don't, then the, the world will eat you up or define you versus you defining the world. This the is why branding is, is branding is so important because when you Correct. establish yourself as a brand and you lay down those pillars of who you are and what makes you tick, when these situations happen, then you pull from that, you draw from that. So that you, you do can build yourself up and, and the world, as we know, is going to knock you down a many a time. And if it hasn't, you probably just haven't lived long enough yet that it's <laughs> coming in some shape, it's form coming. or fashion. And so yeah. when you can rely, you can't always rely on your friends who were your friends back in the day. You can't always Correct. rely on maybe your parents aren't here. So everybody has a different situation. You can't always rely on what you always did. So as you grow up and as you take on the university experience, whether it's two year or four year, it's those experiences that, as you said, kind of help define you. And when things start happening to knock you down, maybe you don't get the grade that you thought you were going to get, but you can't cry about it because nobody really cares. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that's when you, <laughs> that's when you have to say, okay, wait a minute. You remember who you are. Remember what defines you and remember to keep your eye on the prize. And I think that's that, right. that is important now more than ever in this pandemic. Keep your eye on the prize. No, this is not an ideal situation. Nobody wants to be staring at a computer screen all day long, not having the engagement that we're used to having. It's very, very difficult, but, but as long as you stay disciplined and as long as you keep your eye on your prize, what is it, what's in it for you? Where do you see yourself and what do you need to do to get there? Then you can still achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's paramount is that you still have to keep the, keep your eyes on the prize. One of the things that we do, uh, what I do in my, in my classroom very early on is creative vision board. And Mm -hmm. You know, it it's it is a very good idea to have a vision, but then it's also a good idea to know that it may have to be adjusted just because of things that come up. You know, you don't want to lose focus on what you want, but then what you want may change as time goes on. So I tend to like to have students do a vision board that is um, has long term and short term goals attached to them. Just because you want to always be mindful of what you want, what you, what you're thinking and keep that focus because it is very easy to lose focus get distracted. And, then, and get distracted. Yeah. Because trust me when I say, you know, distractions are, are coming your way. As, as you said, if you haven't had distractions or challenges, keep living because keep it living. Will, they will definitely happen, mm-hmm. you know, and you can find yourself where a one distraction actually could be, it doesn't have, distractions don't always, they aren't always bad. For example, I, I use this, this example, you know, most of my students who are, who I teach at a community college, they work 
full, you know, sometimes full-time, part-time. And then if your, your manager comes to you and says, hey, listen, you're doing a good job and I want to promote you. And let's say that you're working at a department store and they say, hey, I'm, I want to, you know, make you assistant manager. And you, you know, you need the money, of course, right. you know, like, like being, being the, the cashier is one thing, being the assistant manager is another, mm-hmm. but you always had aspirations of going to nursing school. That's what you, that's, that's what you're in school for. Mm-hmm. So the question is, well, then what do you do? What do you do? You know, because being the assistant manager will give you more money, but then it's also going to give, it's also going to ask for more of your time mm-hmm. at the same time to be a nurse, well, you have to have a high GPA. You have to get accepted. And one thing about college, at least, is that it will demand a lot of your time. Right. So what do you do? Is that considered a blessing or a distraction? Mm-hmm. And and that's not an easy answer I mean, or an easy, you know, it's, it's not easy to decide like, well, which road should I go down? Do I keep my focus or do I do what's what's necessary in the immediacy? So correct. Uh, you know, it's something is it a blessing? Is it both? Is it, yeah, mean, is it yeah. both? And which road do you take? And I, that's not an easy answer. And you know, it's something that you have to think about. And another thing along those lines is family responsibilities, because in many correct, cultures, yeah. there is family expectation or there is taking care of the family. Right. And so trying to balance that with your aspirations. And then, like you said, you may have a distraction that comes along where there's better money. And in the short term, that could be a benefit for your family. So there's just a lot of things to think about, a lot of decisions that need to be made. And again, that's where you need to fall on your tenants. What's important to you? What's important to you? And where do you see yourself? And and if your family is, is a factor, which it is in many people's lives, then how does your family factor in? And these are just tough decisions that need to be made throughout life. And sometimes yes. it starts after a student leaves high school. Yes, it's, it does. It starts after you leave high school. And then especially if you're going back to school, which I have a lot of students who are going back to school, they've been out in the workforce and then decided. I believe that I need more education in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So I find myself back here. I didn't think I was going to be here, but I, but I am. And now what? So then the thought is, well, now I have to juggle my family responsibilities. And maybe my wife was very supportive of me going back to school. But then at the same time, it's pulling away from my family time mm-hmm. or some of my responsibilities. And is causing friction. Well, in theory, it was okay, but then in reality, well, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not it's okay. Not what we thought is not okay. <laughs> so it can be very complicated, and mm-hmm. I, I do understand that. You know, on the outside looking in, when I see students, but at the same time, it really does have. You really have to have a reckoning with yourself and your family too, and that's not easy. You know, who am I to tell you what to do? But at the same time, you know, my job as as a professor and as an academic coach is to get you to where you want to be in a short amount of time if possible, but then also to help you learn about yourself and develop yourself. And that has to be 
at the forefront because you definitely want to have some kind of self-development mm-hmm. and you want to have that in constant versus being fixed. Well, this is why when you do graduate, it is such a huge deal because there is so much wrapped up in that whole package of you going through the journey. And people don't know. It's like, thank God I don't look like what I've been through because you have no idea what I've been (laughs) through going to university. You have no idea what I've had to sacrifice. And the yes, I've had to make and all of the shortcomings that have come. You have no idea. And so once you achieve that, that's why it's so major, because you feel like I've done this. There's really nothing that I can't do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And really, and truly, it, it's getting you. It really is getting you ready for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a perfect opportunity to get you ready for what's to come and who knows what's to come. I mean, we, we literally don't know that, but it, as long as you have those, that foundation and you have those principles and you, you're one step closer to knowing who you are and in your self-awareness, then it gives you at least the idea that, okay, well, I have some confidence in who I am. I can kind of start moving forward and then see what life has before me. But yeah, at the time, Man, it is, it is really great. But then also, you know, I look at, at students and I think you have no idea of, of what's to come, but it's also so exciting because literally life can be beautiful as we know, but then it can also be very hard. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in there, you can get lost and there will be these things that can just take you down completely. But then you'll also have to really lean on, you know, yourself. So that's one of the things that I like about college, whether it's a university, a four year university mm-hmm. or a two year, is that it's literally really developing you in ways that you don't know and can't appreciate unless you go through them. Unless you go through because, them. Because, uh, yeah, you, you really have to. There is the, the hidden culture of college. <laughs> and and the, very much the things that we're talking about are the things that are hidden mm-hmm. because I often hear students say, well, why am I taking this class? You know, it's required, but I'll never use it. Well, there's much, much more going on than meets the eye. Yeah, you may not, you know, understand or appreciate that class, but I can tell you right now that I certainly uh, wish I had paid more attention as a college student to history. I wish right. I had paid more attention it to government because now as, as a, a full fledged adult who has some distance between when I was in college to now, those things matter because of the way they uh, impact my life, my mm-hmm. local government. Mm-hmm. Are, are we repeating history in some sense? Those kinds of things matter, but they matter to me individually and personally now in a way that when I was sitting in class in college, kind of nodding off at the student, you know, as a student. And when I was hearing the professor lecture, I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to use this. Well, you kind of are. I kind of (laughs) am. You're kind of living it right now. Yeah, I'm kind of living it right now. <laughs> That's it. Well, I have I have one more question. So what do you think about high school students taking a gap year? <laughs> I'm, let me let me stop laughing. Let me stop. OK, the reason I'm laughing, <laughs> I asked the question, but the reason I'm laughing is because 
I wish I would have told my mother, I think oh, I'm going to take a gap year oh, yeah. after high school and I'm just going to travel the world. And, and, and that's not to say, that's not to take anything away from the life experience you get from traveling the world. Right. That's a whole nother right. podcast. But yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother show. But to leave high school and to not go immediately into university and just to take that gap year, which could or could not lead into more years of a break. Right. What do you think yeah. about it? Learning doesn't just take place in a classroom. Amen. So I do like the idea, if you can take a gap year, then I am a proponent of that. But at, but at the same time, like, and I hate that it's, it's not, I don't think that it's a yes or no. I just think that it's an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of a gap year because it is self-discovery mm-hmm. and it is learning that's outside of a classroom. But then I also think that you should then pair it with, you know, it's kind of like wine and cheese. Like you pair up two things that work together in a beautiful way. I think that then you pair it up with some form of formal education because then it makes your life experience richer, Richer. you know, kind of the same way when students who I have in my class, like, like students who are 18 versus a student who's 38, they get something completely different from the course mm-hmm. because a 38 year old, when I am, when they're going through an exercise or a lecture, I can see them nodding their heads because the dots are connecting. So right. when you have that gap year, I do believe that there is, you, you know, a richness that you can add to college and pair it very well now is everybody able to do that no right (laughs) you know because i'm like if i had even if i was even consciously aware of that when i was a college student and had asked my parents that they would have looked at me like i was an alien just because you know with as a parent there they had my sister coming up behind me and so they're Mm -hmm. trying to you know reach these certain goals that they have and financially get me out of their hair. So, you know, that's something different. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to do that and take that time, then I think that it's a good idea. I just think that, and and then too, the door may open and lead you somewhere that's very successful and that may not have to be, you know, down the the road of college. So I do understand that and I can respect it. Mm -hmm. But just generally speaking, I like the idea of a gap year. If you can't do a gap year, then what I would tell someone is to take a brief break and travel or have some kind of different kind of experience, but then come back to education in some in some fashion. And let, so and let I, me just I, not to interrupt you, but right there when you were talking about come back, come back to some form or level of education. And I think that that sounds great. And Many people are disciplined and they will do that. But as we know, life happens. And yes. so you may take this opportunity and take advantage of it. And then that time to go back, <laughs> maybe you get married, maybe you start a family and, and, and you're like, I can't because then you start thinking about 
everything else. Life is happening. Yes. It's like, okay, I can't, yes. I can't get back there. And it becomes a regrettable situation. It doesn't mean that it's too late because you can go back at any time. There's no limit to, you know, when you can go back. But I just think that in your mind, you have to stay focused on if, if, if it's a priority, if it's a priority to you. Now, if you're just doing it because that's what your family wants you to do, and it's not really something that you necessarily want to do, then that's one thing. But if it's a priority to you, then I don't think it really matters how life shifts or what comes into your path, because you're always going to find your way back to what it is that matters to you. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, the thing about success is that it success is fluid, but then it's also personal. So I don't necessarily think that to be in order to be successful, you have to go down one road. The you know, different roads open up and different paths are for different people. So, you know, what I consider to be success is what someone else may not consider. However, what I will say is that I always think there should be a plan A and a plan B. And I do think that education has its place in terms of self-development and growth and that that should be in some form or fashion integrated in that life plan. And the sooner you can do it, the better, just because life can get complicated and it can be very difficult to come back to. I see that a lot in my online class because I have a lot of students who are over the age of 35 who are coming back to school because it was always something that they wanted, but then they got away from it. Mm -hmm. So I do think that while if, if the road is clear, then somewhere in there, you make that, make that the priority. Now, if you take that gap year, then maybe it's that you, you know, just use some kind of checks and balances where you've already been accepted to a university that you have a start date, that kind of thing to keep you on path. Right. You know, especially if you're a young person, then you may have parents who are going to pressure you or, you know, politely say to you to keep focus and move ahead, mm-hmm. you, you know, but at the same time, if the opportunity presents itself, I do see a lot of growth that can take place in a gap year. Yeah. I do uh, too. You know, that, that can be so rewarding and it can be the one thing that you remember for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cause we know it's not all about being in the classroom. No, it's not. It is not. It so. is not. Well, I have a segment called The Last Word, which is a chance for my special guests to share their nuggets of wisdom or a piece of advice. So what would you share with someone who is just feeling disillusioned at the moment with learning in this environment? Well, I will tell someone to keep focused just because education, you know, there's a there's a quote that I use and I'm going to paraphrase it. And it's by... um uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it's the mind once expanded or stretched from it by a new idea or a new thought, it never returns to its original dimensions. Mm. And so what I'd like for people to see or to understand is that you will grow. Now, even if you're dis- disillusioned, part of disillusionment is growth. Right. And It is a place like, you know, one of the things and I can go on about this all day is that, you know, like with social media, 
you you get it is there is an illusion that things are always great and that you know you see people living their best lives but your best really is your peaks your mountain high and valley low mm-hmm. and so that valley low really helps you to think more about who you are and then find inner strength so what i would challenge someone to do is that when you're really feeling disillusioned and really tired of that grind that you really dig deep. But I will also say this, even when you find yourself empty and running on fumes, then you really need to develop a support network. You've got to have people around you who are going to rally and be your cheerleader to give you that extra umph to go on. Mm -hmm. I remember when I, I'll say this, I remember when I was doing a 50 mile bike ride and I had trained and trained for it. This was several years ago. And I thought towards the end that I couldn't, you know, do it. Well, some, there was a woman who came up beside me and literally we were talking through the last, I think, 10 miles, no, about the five, five mile mark right before the finish line. And I was exhausted. And before I knew it, you know, uh, we had reached the finish line and then she disappeared. Mm. But I use that because there are people who will literally come up beside you. If you open that door, if you're disillusioned, then you don't do that alone. There are people who will be there to champion for you. And so uh, I leave you with this quote that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that doesn't mean just in the classroom. That means anywhere you are in your life, someone will appear. If you are open to it and you open yourself up and say, look, I am here and I'm trying to get to the next step, allow someone else to help you. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that those are the things that I would tell someone and the things that I have told people in the past that it, if you can do one mile, then you can do two. If you can do two, then you can do three. And before you know it, you, you will have accomplished your goal. But then in the process, what you learn is more about who you are. And I think that makes you richer and more successful. Well, I appreciate those nuggets of wisdom and just for being my champion and just being an amazing individual. That's why you're in my tribe. (laughs) Thank you. I don't mess around, listeners. I don't mess around. (laughs) Only the best people. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite a wild ride. It has been a wild ride, but we you know, have we had a grown. wild ride. Yeah. yeah, yes, it has been. That's yes. for sure. So and we're still. I together. appreciate that. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> that is too funny. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, listeners. I'm impressed that we were able to hold it together for half an hour, 45 yes. minutes, however long, and keep it professional because yeah, we bond yeah. and weave and meander on a re- regular basis. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> but my sister, I appreciate you and your insights and, and appreciate you taking the time to address this important issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. And I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Well, very cool. Okay, then, everyone, that does it for episode nine of Everything and Nothing. As always, thanks for listening in. For the latest updates on the podcast, be sure to follow me on Instagram at underscore everything nothing podcast. I'll see you next time. Peace and blessings.